Hola, you're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to live in the middle of a developing tourism town? Sounds great, right? Well, it doesn't come without challenges. Like most people listening, I had a steady job, lots of stress, worked my ass off so I could enjoy vacations. One day, I came to the realization that I needed to embed myself into a vacation permanently. So that's what I did. Now my home is San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua. It's a small town on the Pacific coast with a population of about 15,000 people. I have a small sailboat charter business which pays the bills and leaves a bit left over to cover my habits. And even though we call it paradise, Nicaragua is still a third world country. So picture this. 36-year-old Texas guy and his two trusty Labradors are transplanted into a developing country. And they're trying their hardest not to stick out like sore thumbs. These are the stories of what life is like. Some good, some bad, but all entertaining. So sit back, relax, and live vicariously through me for about the next 30 or 45 minutes. And I promise you, this stuff can't be made up. I told you it was going to be an interesting week. I told you. I told you. And I was right. But man, I tell you what. It is hot up in her. It's still hot. Hadn't gotten any cooler. We have gotten some rain, though, the last couple nights. It's rained for anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour. And instantly, the hillsides are spotted with green. It's pretty cool to see how fast it happens. It's like as soon as those plants get watered, they're green again. And it's somewhat depressing to me when everything's dry and brown and crispy and dusty. So green views are around the corner. I know I've mentioned a few times that I just moved into a new house. And around here, when you rent houses, they come fully furnished. Everything from the beds to the linens to the silverware, everything. Well, anyone who knows me knows that I like things in the kitchen that are like big and bulky and strong. I don't like cheap little flimsy stuff. So one thing that I needed to rectify was the cutting board. When I moved in, I looked through the kitchen and the cutting board was like one of those little teeny tiny ones that's about 8 inches by 10 inches with a little handle on it. It's not good for cutting anything but like cheese or limes. So I said, well, that's going to go. And there's nowhere to buy a cutting board here. You could go to the grocery store, and you may or may not find a cutting board. And the biggest it would be would be maybe 10 inches by 8 inches. So I thought I'd go to the local wood shop and just have them make me a big wood one. I can tell them exactly how big to make it. So I stopped in there. I said, I need a cutting board. I said, what size? I kind of just showed him the dimensions. He wrote it down. And he said, okay, come back tomorrow afternoon. I'll have it ready. I said, all right. I said, how much? He said, 400 Cordobas. 
which is like 12 bucks, 14, something like that. And I was fine with that because it's like nice, fine, exotic hardwood. And he said it was going to be sanded real smooth. So I said, okay, I'll, you know, as long as it looks good, I'll be happy to pay it. So next day rolls around, I stopped by. Hey, you got my cutting board? No, mañana, mañana. I said, okay. Next morning, I stopped by about 9 o'clock. I said, man, you got that cutting board? No, lo siento. Uh, it's not ready yet. Means I'm sorry, not ready. I said, okay. Mañana? He said, yep, mañana. So I let about two or three days go by, and I stop in there, and now we're at attempt number three. And I pull up there, and the guy that I talked to is nowhere to be found. And this is a little family that owns a shop, and they all look alike. It's frustrating because I don't know any of their names. And I'll go up to one of them, and I'll ask him about something, and he just looks at me like I'm from outer space. So I walked in there. said, hey, you're... I said, someone here was going to make me a cutting board. He kind of looked at me and cocked his head like a confused dog. And I said, cutting board, like to cut fruit? He's like, yeah, 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 I know what it is, but I don't know anything about it. I said, okay, this is the third time I've been here. He said, okay, come back tomorrow. I'll talk to my brother. He'll have it ready. I said, okay. So I let two or three more days go by. And I saw the brother walking down the road. The first guy that I had talked to, I saw him walking down the road carrying a bunch of lumber. And he was walking head on towards me as I was driving towards his shop. I said, hey, man, you got my cutting board? He said, yep, it's in there. They know where it is. It's ready to go. I was like, okay. So I pull in there, I stop, and I said, hey, I just talked to your brother, and he said the cutting board's ready to go. He goes, cutting board? I go, yeah, you know a board that you cut things on? He's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I just don't know anything about it. I said, I was in here, I talked to you like four days ago. He was like, no, maybe it was my brother. I said, no, it was you. He said, okay, okay. And I'm thinking, I am way less forgettable to them than they are to me, because I look nothing like everyone down here. And as sorry as it sounds, people may get fussy, but they all look alike. They're all from the same family. They have dark hair. They have dark eyes. Their hair is short. They're all covered in sawdust. So for me to get them mixed up without knowing their names is more acceptable than them completely forgetting who I am. But anyway, he said, nope, I don't have it. I don't know where it is. I said, did you know that you were supposed to have one? He's like, well, I remember... My brother may be saying something, but I don't know. He's not here right now. I said, I know. I just drove past him. I stopped and talked to him, and he said that you would know where it is. I said, can you try calling him? So he gets out his phone. And people don't like calling on other people's behalf because their minutes are prepaid, and they're going to run out of minutes. I said, can you call him? He kind of looked at me with a little begrudging look on his face, and he calls. Brother didn't answer. I said, okay, I'll just come back tomorrow. So I came back tomorrow. So we're on trip five now. This is the fifth time that I've stopped there. And luckily, it's like right on the way to everything. So I stopped at number five. And I caught the original guy in there, who was also the guy that I drove past the day before. I said, you got that cutting board? He said, no, manana. <laughs> and so that was three or four days ago. And I'm almost getting ready just to quit. Like I've, I've made it. I don't know, two and a half weeks without needing a cutting board. And I figure if I need to cut something big, I could figure something out. But there's also a part of me that wants to keep going back there and figuring out how long it will take them because they really can't give up. I can just quit going, but they can't do anything to keep me from coming by. So 
I wonder if they're trying to outlast me, but I, I don't think I'm going to let them. I'm going to keep stopping by every couple of days, and I might even let a week go by, but they're not going to forget. And one day, I'll have a cutting board. I have approached the first round of truck repairs. So I've had the truck for about a year now, and I think that I'm staring about $2,000 worth of repairs in the face. Actually, I replaced the clutch three or four months ago, but that was kind of an easy job. Just brought down a new clutch, replaced it, good to go. So now what we're looking at, and all this happened within like two weeks, the left rear taillight fell out. It just rattled itself out and broke off. And the reason I know that is because I saw it when I was parked. When everyone was in town visiting, we took a trip down to a beach down south. It was a rough, bumpy road, and the taillight was gone when I got there. So it just rattled out and broke. The taillight's gone. So that's one thing. The AC has quit working. So I took it to the mechanic. And here, there's like the regular mechanics and there's AC guys. They, they both don't do both. So you got to go to one mechanic to get your regular stuff done. Then you got to go to your AC mechanic to get other stuff done. And I tried to get the AC guy to agree to go to working on it at the regular guy's house. And no, 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 no. No es posible. I said, okay. So I went to the AC guy. I said, it's not blowing cold. And so this man, well, let me back up a little bit. First two times I go to the AC shop, the guy who needs to help me isn't there. The third time I go back, and he's there. And so it's an older guy and his son. And it looked to me like the older guy used to know a lot about air conditioning, but he maybe hasn't kept up with the changes in the AC systems over the years. So the way that it looked was this. They started the truck. They filled it with Freon. And then they went and looked for a leak with a, like a little detector. But the entire time, the young guy, the son, was standing there watching the father. And the father's probably 73, 75 maybe. Moves real slow. You know, went and got the bottle of Freon and the gauges and he hooked everything up. And his son looks over his shoulder the entire time. And I presume it's to make sure the dad's not screwing anything up. Because he's getting on up there in age. He probably forgets some stuff, doesn't remember some things. So the son kind of watches him. And then the dad did something, and he turned around. The son kind of reached over his shoulder and corrected it before the dad could see it. And so they got the truck filled with Freon. It's blowing cold. I was like, man, this is so nice. I've been going like two and a half weeks without AC. Just because I had so many people in town, I couldn't go without a truck. So it was blowing cold, and I was so happy. And they get to looking around, and they get the leak detector out, and they think they find the leak. It's showing Freon's blowing out of two different places. So I asked them, okay, how much do I owe you, and how can we fix it? And he told me that I owed him $40. And I said, $40 for what? He's like, well, the Freon was 12 <laughs> I'm like, well, what about the other 28 He's like, oh, you know, me and my time and my dad. And I said, all right, whatever. So I paid him his 40 bucks. And now I'm skeptical to take the truck back to him. But he's the only AC guy in San Juan del Sur. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop off the truck with him. When I leave to go to the States, I'm going to say, tear it apart, find the problem. Contact me on the internets. And I'll bring the parts back down and you can fix it. So I'm going to bring the Freon. 
I'm going to bring everything. I'm going to make sure he gives me a quote before he does the work. Because I figured a bottle of Freon and the time to put it in there, maybe 15 bucks, 20 bucks. We spent a good hour there, but it was 40 And some things in this country are just expensive, which takes me to my next point, that my tires are bad on my truck. And so the truck's got a little bit bigger than the normal tires. It sits up a little higher. They're kind of aggressive, like mud terrain tires. So I was driving around in Managua yesterday, which that story's coming up next. Driving around in Managua, and I see a tire shop. And I, and I say, let's just pull in here and check the price on these tires. So I go in there, and I say, here's the size of my tires. Um, how much? $409 a piece. They're nothing special. They're just 33-inch mud terrain tires. You could get them in Texas for $150, $160 tops. $409. I just looked at them and started dying laughing. I said, who can afford those tires here? And they're like, well, I, I don't know. They're, you know. they're not used to those kinds of questions. But I was just laughing and laughing. I said, that is ridiculous. Why is there so much? They're like, well, we don't know. We don't know. You know, They don't know the answers to those kinds of questions. But I couldn't get over it. So I said, no way. I'll, I'll buy some little rinky-dink donut tires and keep a stack of 100 of them and just replace them. But I couldn't believe it. And there's just certain things here that, are, that cost more money. Like for some reason, peanut butter. I don't know why, but a jar of like Peter Pan peanut butter is $4. And I don't know. I mean, I haven't priced it in the States, but I would think it might be 2 maybe $1.99. Is, it, is that because peanut butter is heavy? I don't know. It costs money to ship. I don't know. But I'm not going to pay $4 for a jar of peanut butter. i tell you that much right now. So back to the truck. The light fell out. The AC quit working. There's also a center bearing that supports the drive shaft that's going out, making this bad rattle noise, and the tires. So I'm going to bring as many parts back as I can and try to organize it in such a way that I can get by without a vehicle. It's never a fun thing to try to figure out how to get by without a vehicle, especially when you live by yourself. You don't have a roommate. You don't have a wife. You don't have a husband. You don't have any way to get around. I might rent a four-wheeler, so I'll keep you posted on that. But I'm leaving this coming week to go to the States, so I probably won't have much posted next week. So I've been having a problem with my elbow. I didn't know what it was, but it's like a sharp pain. I can feel it's the tendons that are attached to my fingers, and I felt like I just needed to get looked at. It's been going on for about three months, hadn't really gotten any better. So I had Emily, who works for us, make me an appointment, I said, I want the best orthopedic doctor in the entire country. Can you make me an appointment? She's like, yeah, no problem. And I don't speak good enough Spanish. Let me take that back. I don't want to call and try to make an appointment to see a doctor. I probably could do it, but it's not something that I want to do. And so I had Emily do it. She made me an appointment. She's like 11 o'clock on Friday. And Chris wants to go with you which is my buddy that's been on the podcast before, to get his back looked at. She said, Chris wants to get his back looked at. I said, okay. So me and Chris meet in the morning. We line up a driver, Francisco, which if NASCAR had a Nicaragua racing team, he could probably be the front runner. So Francisco gets us there 30 minutes early. Chris and I go up to the waiting room, 
and they're like, fill out the paperwork. And I'm thinking, oh, man, all this paperwork. The paperwork that they had me fill out was less than half of the size of a sheet of paper. They didn't ask for my ID. They didn't ask for any insurance card. All that was on the paper was my name, my phone number, and a couple other random questions, maybe my address, you know, the date. But there was no medical history, no allergies, no references, nothing. And I'll have to be honest, I liked it because I hate filling out paperwork. So I fill out the little sheet. We sit down. 30 seconds goes by. The lady comes out. Brando? I go, yep, that's me. Marlon Brando. With a smile as I walk past her. So I walked into the room, and she's like, the doctor will see you shortly. I said, okay. Right before I could sit down, the doctor comes in. Before he introduced himself, didn't shake my hand, didn't say his name. Just goes, what seems to be the problem? <laughs> and I was like, I got some pain in my elbow. And I couldn't even finish the word elbow. He's like, you have tennis elbow. And I was like, how do you know? You haven't even looked at it? You haven't felt on it? And he goes, give me. <laughs> so I handed him my arm. He's mashing around on it, poking on it. And he gets me, and it hurts. I go, ah, ah, yep, yep, that's it. You got it. He goes, yes, tennis elbow. I said, you don't need to do x-rays or ultrasound or anything? Goes, hey, yeah, if you want, we can do it. But it's tennis elbow. I said, ah, oh, what do I do? He's like, you need a cortisone shot. You need to put it in a sling. You need to put it on ice for six days. And I said, man, I'm leaving in a couple of days to go travel. He said, well, then wait till you get back. And I said, okay. So I walked out. And, and I mean, literally, our exchange was probably less than five minutes and I couldn't think of any questions. I mean, he told me it was tennis elbow. I thought to myself, well, I'll look it up online and get some more information. Definitely not going to get a cortisone shot right away. So I walked out, and I walked out the door, and I forgot. I said, oh, man, I didn't even pay. So I walked back in, and I said, how much? And they're like, $40. And I did the usual. I have this response that I, every time they tell me a price, I just repeat it back to them a little bit louder with a question mark at the end. I go, $40? And they were like, Yeah. I said, okay, and I gave him the 40 bucks. About that time, Chris walked back there. He got looked at. Doctor said, you have a herniated disc, and you need an MRI. So we left the hospital to wait. He, he scheduled his MRI for that day, like two hours later. I mean, when, when have you ever heard of scheduling an MRI two hours after you're seen by the doctor without it being an emergency? So we left there with some time to kill. We said we'd go grab some lunch, we'd go check out the new Walmart, and then come back. And so, first we went to Walmart, and Chris was looking for a couple things. We walked through there, he couldn't find what he needed. And so we made the rounds to the whole store, and I said, well, there's Walmart. No different than every other Walmart, except they don't have the exact same stuff that they have in the States, but pretty close. And then we decided we're going to get some lunch. And after sitting in traffic for a ton of time, we were getting close to being in a hurry. And for whatever reason, Chris is like a huge McDonald's fan. And I'm not a huge McDonald's fan. But we were in a hurry, and I know how much he likes McDonald's. And so I was like, yep, that's fine. Let's just do McDonald's and go. 
And I hadn't decided what I was going to get. I kept telling myself, well, I'll wait and look at the menu. But then I thought, why do I need to look at the menu? Everyone knows exactly what McDonald's has. But anyway, so we parked and we go to open the door to walk in there. And it looked like they were giving away free winning lotto tickets. There were so many people in there. I mean, jam-packed. We both just turned around and walked out. I was like, nope. And he said, nope. (laughs) So we left there. It's a funny phenomenon, but they love fast food here. And there's not much of it. And it's expensive by their standards. So if they can go get a chicken plate with rice and beans and chicken and plantains and some cheese and avocado and a tortilla for like $3, I don't understand why they'd go spend like 7 or 8 at McDonald's, but they do. I think it's kind of like a, it's like a, not a status thing because McDonald's isn't nice, but it's like an event for them. They like to go have McDonald's. It's like kind of first worldish. It's a lot like the States and they tend to like whatever the States does. So we get back in the car and we're headed back towards the hospital and there's a Burger King and Francisco was like, Burger King? And we're like, yeah, that's fine. So we go to Burger King, and it's pretty crowded, but not quite as crowded. We waited in line. We were like three or four back. We ordered, get our burgers, get back in the car, go back to the hospital. And we, Chris goes in, and Francisco and I sit in the parking lot and eat. And the hamburger meat on that hamburger was drier than beef jerky. And it's funny because I was impressed at how fast they got our order put together. But then when I took a bite of that burger... And I tasted the ground jerky. I knew how they did it so quickly. Rather disappointing, I must say. But you can't ask for much when you're eating fast food in a third world country. Well, you can ask for it, but just don't expect to get much. If you haven't guessed, this show has a lot of complaining in it. All my shows might seem to have a lot of complaining, but really it's just noticing things. It's just... I notice things and I point them out. And a lot of times things don't catch my attention unless they're just a little bit annoying or I see a way to improve them. When I moved out of my last house, I knew that I was due a deposit. They didn't want to give me the deposit back until they could go walk through the house and make sure I didn't destroy it. So they did that. And I said, hey, when can I get my deposit back? Oh, we're waiting for the electric bill because they didn't want to give me my deposit back because then I could stiff them on the electric bill. Because the electric bill stays in the name of the house and the owner. You don't change it out with every tenant. And so this was April 2nd, April 3rd. I said, okay, electric bill comes on the 15th. I'll contact you then. Contacted them on the 16th. I said, you got my deposit back? And they said, um, yeah, give me a couple days. We'll have to figure it out. We got to email the owner and make sure he's ready to give it back to you. I said, okay. So a couple days go by. I emailed both the owner and the property manager. I said, hey, what's the deal with my deposit? Owner writes back after two more days and says, you can pick it up at the office of the property manager. So I write the property manager. I said, when can I come get my deposit? He said, we will have a check waiting for you. I immediately said, I would rather have cash. He said, well, we can't do cash until next week. And I I don't know why. I didn't even ask. I said, okay. But knowing that I was leaving town, I would rather just go get the check and then cash it. I've never had to cash a check here, so I didn't know the process. And I walk in. And the first guy that was there was getting ready to put on his motorcycle helmet and leave. I guess he was, he's one of the workers. I said, I'm here to pick up a check. 
and I, and I knew he'd have no idea what I was talking about. He goes and he scratches his head and he sits down at the desk and he opens the drawers and he flips through paper and he goes, no. And I go, no, what? No check here. I said, okay, who do we need to call? Let's call the property manager. This guy's name's Harry. I said, let's call Harry. And he's like, no. And I said, okay, what, what do we need to do? Come on, I'm here to pick up my money. Harry said it would be here. And he gets on the phone. He calls somebody. He said, 10 minutes. I said, okay, I'll be back in 10 minutes. So I leave. I go run an errand. I come back. And there's a lady there. I said, I'm here to pick up a check. She goes, okay. And she sits down. She writes out the check. You know, it takes her about 15 minutes. And they don't have, like, carbon copy infused checkbooks like people used to use in the 80s. But they do have a piece of carbon paper that they will set below the check on top of a regular piece of paper so that they can just still have a record of it without having to duplicate it. So she writes it out nice and neat and slow. I said, okay, thank you. Take it out of my hand. Go to the bank. I walk into the bank, and there's like 15 people in line. And I almost turned and walked out, and I thought, well... What, what, what would I do then? Because I need this cash for my trip home. So I decided to wait in line. And the only reason I did is because the air conditioner runs in the bank wide open. So I said, well, I'll just go in here and keep myself occupied with the air conditioner. And so I looked at the line of 15 people. I thought to myself, I bet it's about 40 minutes. I bet you I'm here at least 40 minutes to get up to the teller. It's exactly what it was. 40 minutes and there's only three tellers and at certain points all three tellers would be gathered around one teller like giving her advice and then other times all tellers would disappear there would be a tellerless bank only one security guard standing there watching the desks where the tellers used to be but one thing that doesn't stop is the sound of a paper cash register in the background, it just goes and goes. It's like even when they're stopped and they're talking to you, that thing still runs. I don't know if they just type so fast that the thing gets far behind, but the little paper tape cash register just runs and runs and runs. So I finally get up to the window. I said, I have this check. She goes, oh, she hands it back to me. She's like, you need to sign it, write your address, write your phone number, and write the number of your ID on there. So I get it back. And I have no idea what my address is but it's printed on the back of my Nicaragua driver's license. So I flipped it over. And here, I'm just going to read to you. This is my address in Nicaragua. Nicaragua, which is the country. Rivas, which is the state. San Juan del Sur, which is the city. Now, all of those are separated by commas. Then it gets fun. From the baseball park in El Oro, which is the name of my subdivision, El Oro, 150 meters to the south, and then 600 meters to the southeast, Casa Villa Oro, which is the gold house, which I don't know why it says that, because it's a white house. But anyway, that's my address. From the Park of Baseball, in the subdivision of El Oro, 150 meters to the south, and then 600 meters to the southeast to the house. That's the address. So I had to write that at the back of the check. So I wrote it out as fast as I could. I signed it. I wrote my ID number on there. Handed it to her. She pokes in the computer for about two minutes. Looks at me and goes, no. And I go, no. What? We can't cash the check. And I go, why not? 
And she goes, there's not enough money in the bank account. I said, lovely. So I'm in quite the tizzy at this point. I've been to the property manager's office twice now. Been in the bank for 40 minutes. I get in the truck, which is extremely hot with no air conditioner. I roll the windows down. I put it in reverse. I back up, and I knock over a scooter. And I'm surprised this is the first time it's happened because they park so close to your bumper that you can't see them in the mirror. So I back up. I feel it touch something. The scooter falls. Everyone around me in the streets screaming and hollering and throwing their arms up and down and jumping up. And I think to myself, I know. I know. So I pull forward. I put it in park. I get out. There's a scooter on the ground. There's the rich, wealthy gringo in their eyes that knocked over this poor Nicaraguan scooter. So I stand it back up. The owner's not around. There's no harm to it. None whatsoever. No one's around. And so this guy comes up to me, and I'm like, is this your scooter? He's like, no, but tranquilo, meaning like, it's not, and it's fine. Just go. So I was like, are you sure? He said, yep. I said, okay. Thank you, my friend. Finally, I caught a break. I was like, I'm going to have to pay someone $20 probably just because I knocked over the scooter. But actually, I wouldn't have. I would have said, show me the damage because there wasn't any. So I get in the truck. And I go back to the property manager's office. I walk in there. I put the check on the desk. And I said, they won't cash the check because you guys don't have any money in your account. She's like, oh. So she gets to the phone. And she starts calling people. She said, well, we have another account that has some money in it. And I said, well, maybe you should have written the check out of that amount. I said, tell me what time I can come back and pick up my cash. I said, I'm not taking another check. I'm not going to the bank. You owe me $1,000. Let me know when I can pick it up between now and Monday morning at 4 a.m. So she said, 15 minutes. I said, really? Really? 15 minutes? I just waited in line 40 minutes at the bank. She said, I know, but we don't have to wait in line at the bank. I said, okay, I'll be back in 15 minutes. I run to the grocery store. I come back. I said, where's my deposit? Oh, just sit down. Just sit down. Have a seat. And they always want you to just sit down. They just sit down. They, they put the fan blowing right towards the chair. And they're like, just, just sit down and relax. I said, I don't want to sit down and relax. I don't have time. I just want my money. And I want to go home and relax. So I stood there and I paced around. And I, and I did all the body language to make her feel nervous and hurried. So about that time, this guy walks in, gets off his motorcycle, walks to the door, opens a wallet, hands me a wad of cash. I count it and just walk out. It was like four or five trips. I may have actually left out a trip. I don't know. But I was so ready to get out of there. It was hot. There was no air conditioning anywhere except for the bank. And I did not want to spend my time waiting around. But thank goodness I'm done with that property manager. And the house that I'm living in now, I just deal directly with the owner. So no more worthless property managers for now anyway. So of that money, I gave a little bit of cash to Ronnie, who's supposed to have someone lined up to come fix the roof on the house where I live because the other night when it rained, I walked in my bedroom. There was a nice puddle of water on my bed. And the way that it works is that I get the repairs fixed and she takes it off my rent. So the last time I had a roof repair, I don't know if you remember, but the entire roof was off the house for five weeks. I told Ronnie, I need this house to be livable when I get back in eight days. Don't let him rip the roof off. And he just laughed, and he knows. I trust him. So I will report back on the roof leak. 
and luckily it wasn't when I was sleeping in there because normally I have my iPad in the bed and I'll watch some Netflix till I fall asleep or go on YouTube rabbit trails and I just kind of toss it over next to me in the bed and right where I normally toss it is where the big puddle of water was. So luckily nothing was lost. I'll update you on the roof when I get back. So I'm off to the States next week for a family reunion, which will probably include some poker and gluttonous meals. All right, I think that's going to wrap up today's program. Seem to be back to the normal time and not the marathon episodes. Thanks for listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Check out our website, nikasaleandsurf.com. If you want to exchange any information with me, do it via email. nikasaleandsurf at gmail.com. If you ever want to come to San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua, hit me up. We'll take you sailing. And you'll have the best day of your life. Thanks again for listening. Keep it tranquilo. I don't know when I've been drinking bourbon whiskey, scotch and gin. Gonna get high, man, I'm gonna get loose. Need me a triple shot of that juice. Gonna get drunk, don't you have no fear. I want one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. One bourbon, one scotch, one beer. But I'm sitting now. At the bar, I'm getting drunk, I'm feeling mellow. I'm drinking bourbon, I'm drinking scotch, I'm drinking beer. Look at the bar, they got a bartender. Look mad. Come down here. So what you want? I want bourbon. I 